0: Uh, I want to have an anointing service, so um, I'm just not exactly sure how it's going to all go, so I'm as, um, I'm as excited about you to see like what's going to happen. Uh, yesterday was Pastor Phil and Chris's transition service, if anybody saw it online, 41 years being the senior leaders of uh, Oxford Falls in Sydney, and he passed the torch over to a young couple, um, Jess and Alex, and uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing, 41 years. Uh, really, really, a, um, it was a moving time to watch that happen. They have 10 locations in Sydney now and um, just over 100,000 worshipers in C3 and oh, just over 600 churches around the world. And, um, yeah, what a, I thought it was, just really, it was really encouraging um, to watch. And, um, yeah, I just want to try to uh, get, us, get our faith kind of stirred up and um, there, there seems to me to be two distortions of manhood, um, masculinity as such. Uh, one is passivity, and the other is tyranny. The, the ability to function, I say specifically as a man, between those two extremes would probably be best described by the biblical term of meekness, strength under control. And, um, and we see that around us all the time. And part of the thing about spiritual battles is we fight them all twice, one to, one to gain victory, one to hold the victory. We see things take place and we find moments of victory, but then that victory is not sustained because there was not a, a continuation uh, after that of walking in submission and in obedience. And so I want to just talk today about a little bit more about our, the unseen realm, about the, our uh, condition of our hearts, our inner worlds. And um, um, maybe you can just repeat after me, my heart is open to hear the word of the Lord today. Amen. All right, take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 19. I'm going to read from the ESV this morning. And uh, if you're watching online, <clears throat> uh, get yourself some olive oil. If you're alone, get ready to anoint yourself, because in a few moments we're going to do some anointing. <clears throat> I'm going to try to describe uh, what happens when, when um, uh, how, how the Lord moves as best I can. Last week we talked about, um, about Lectio Divina, the, the ability to extract the living word and allow it to live within us and that process. Of hearing God's voice. And I want to talk a little bit more about that today, um, only in a kind of a unique uh, context. Chapter 19, uh, <clears throat> Paul's about to, this just comes just before the riot in Ephesus, and um, he's doing these wild things, and I'm sure he doesn't even know what's going to happen next. And uh, he, uh, he says this in chapter 19, verse 11, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Do you believe God still does extraordinary miracles? Good, me too. I'm in the right crowd in the right place. Extraordinary miracles. And it says that, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. It's just, it's just actually after 19, what happened as he was just figuring out, how does this all work? Um, I was telling somebody this week about one of the first times when I broke a curse over someone's life, it was at a First Nations reserve, and uh, women came in, few, but maybe three women came in, and their jaws was twisted up like this. So, um, worst thing I could see, because then they couldn't eat. So I go, like, what, the, what happened? And the, one of the guys... Um, the chief was there at the service and he said, well, that's Indian medicine and they've been cursed. And I go, oh, well, maybe we should break that curse. I was young. So I said, By, in the name of Jesus, I break that curse. And their mouths came down. It was the most amazing thing. It was extraordinary to watch. I was more surprised than them, I think. I go, what? Um, but miraculous, nonetheless, And extraordinary, really. Um, So I'm not sure what you think about all that, but he says what happened is that God was doing extraordinary miracles. Who was doing the miracles? It was God. Whose hands? Paul's. Paul wasn't doing the miracles. God was doing the miracles. It was just Paul's hands. Um, I can't get to all the people that you know, so I'm going to anoint some cloths today, and you take them to people who need healing. And it says what happened here, it was the power of God, through the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons, I got an apron. It's not that anointed for barbecuing. <laughs> Nobody has a barbecue stud on it, and it's kind of cool. Hardly anointed. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and the diseases left them. And the evil spirits came out of them. By taking a cloth that was anointed, touched him, he, they took it. What, 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 what actually happened? God was doing the miracle. They, they were just using their hands. You might, I don't know if anybody has any prodigals that need to come home, but what about taking an anointed cloth and slipping it in their pillow? Or, I don't know, what needs, what needs spirits cast out of and healed? Today. Our faith has to rise to the occasion. I can't get to the people that you can get to, but you can get to the people that you can get to. What, do you, what would happen if we like just believed what it said today? Hmm, I know. Well, we've already said, Lord, speak to my heart. I'm open to hear your voice. So that's what we're going to do. That, that, <clears throat> that group of people uh, at Ephesus, 10 years later, Paul uh, writes to them from a Roman prison. This is probably about 62 A.D., And he said, I don't cease giving thanks to you and remembering you. This is the people that this happened to. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, and that you may know what is the hope of which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable, immeasurable, greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. The word know, it says that you might know. That word is Genosco in the Greek language, and it means to know by experience and produce children. It was a word that was used for a married couple. That you, So it says Adam knew. It didn't mean he had, oh, hi, Eve. It means that he has close and could produce children. Well, what ha- like our faith actually needs to produce something, though, right? Otherwise, it's dead. Faith without some action that corresponds to what we say is dead. Useless. Contrary to that faith that has action, corresponding action, is alive. So what if our faith could have some legs today, and we take some anointed claws, wherever the Lord might tell us to, they're kind of cool, they're, they're all, I mean, they're, but they're just claws. But it's what they represent. When we take the body and the blood of Christ by those symbols, it's what they represent. Those little styrofoam things, it's not the body of Christ specifically, physically, but it's what it represents. Are you? Okay. <clears throat> okay. Um, I just want to talk about the background a little bit of, of the dynamics of healing and then anoint some claws. And I want us to be able to have eyes of our hearts Enlightened. I got so many questions last week where I, I spoke on the uh, don't harden your heart. If, when God speaks, don't harden your heart. And, and so some questions were like, So, how do I soften my heart? Good question. And, and I think that, you know, it begins by acknowledging you got a hard heart. Say, so Forgive me for the hardness of my heart. I want to hear your voice. And, and, and oil, ask the oil to come soften you. Uh, you probably need to go through a little spree of repentance. Forgive me for this, 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 and this, and um, you know, and all of a sudden people come up, you need to forgive, and you know, little actions you've done that were little, whatever, and pretty soon your heart starts to be open to, Lord, what do you want to say to me? It's like, it's like these cloths will be like a stargate, a portal. What can happen is that we can harden our heart, therefore we can soften our heart. And what happens, little things enter our hearts that cause us to be hard, disappointments, Um, expectations, judgments, all that can keep, hearts can end up getting hard. Deuteronomy chapter 15 says a hard heart. says don't be hard-hearted and tight-fisted. What happens when your heart gets hard, you become tight-fisted. You can't be generous with a hard heart. You withhold. Um, So so last week I tried to address that the, the problem in hard times can be that we end up with hard hearts. We get rebellious, we get um, angry, we get opinionated, we get all this stuff, and we lash out, and the point is that what's, what's taking place in the world today is not a physical battle, it's a spiritual battle. So we fight it with spiritual weapons. Um, hey, did you notice this little thing I brought up here? Many of you have been staring at it, haven't you? What's going on with that? Um, little story behind this, um, it's, it's quite important to me. Kelly has tried to put in a garage sale a lot of times. <laughs> I worked hard for this. this um, when we were in Jerusalem, um, I, I personally enjoy uh, negotiating for things at the vendors. I like that. Kelly hates it. Hates it, is downtown Jerusalem. And um, it caught my eye. It's a little bit homely, but it was not, it's meant to serve a function. It's a camel bags for a camel, which I thought would be fun to bring back to Saskatchewan <laughs> with the high population of camels that we have. It'd be super useful. So what I did is, I, so what happened is, it ended up going over the arm of a reading chair, and the kids would put their books in there, and Chad and Amy and Brittany, when they jump up my lap, they'd reach in and pull out. It became just kind of a normal thing. But for me, I'd worked hard for that. Uh, the starting price was 120 US dollars. I know, I know. At the, t- at the time, that was like a lot of money. But I kind of liked it, so I began negotiating. Uh, we ended up somewheres around, I think, 48 U.S. dollars, a Canadian um, pin and uh, a promise of sending him a postcard later on. It was a long, long negotiation. We were all worried. Kelly had gone way down the street and had come back again already, and uh, I shook his hand, forked over the cash, and uh, so happy with what I just bought and uh, walked a couple of vendors down, and a guy offered me one for 30 US dollars. (laughs) That's not going in a garage sale, baby. I work too hard for that. But to many of you, it just looks like a camel bag. But its importance is the significance it it means to me and how hard I worked for that. And um, it's not for sale. I just I work too hard on it, but the significance is what it means to me. As we anoint cloth, it's the significance that they mean to you, and that that because it happened then, it can happen today. Same thing can happen. So how does this? How does it work? Um, Well, um, what takes place in our hearts is what's critically important, and when you look at how Jesus handled uh, a, a culture that was extremely unjust. How did he deal with it? If you're wondering, how do you handle yourself today in an unjust? Feels unjust to me. There's, it feels like it, that there's a lot of injustice, and so how did he deal with that? It's strange to me because he was a victim of injustice, right? He was, he was a victim of a cruel Roman torture, and that was, and he was innocent, right? So how did he deal with that? And you see, in the situations that he was in, why wouldn't he have like said something about the cultural? distortions, and why would the, this whole uprising of the Romans, it was so mean and so cruel, and what did he say? He actually took their focus off of the injustice of the current culture, and said, would you look at your heart? Because it's out of your heart that come the evil things. It's not from the outside, but the outside can impact your heart. He said, he, when he stood in front of Pilate, uh, he, said, he said to Pilate, he didn't say, you know, um, shape up Quit oppressing the people. He said, you think you have power. That's You only have power because God gave it to you. He, he confronted the issue of Pilate's heart. Um, I would rather change stuff, but he, he went for the heart. So, so the issue about our hearts is that nobody can touch your heart except you. Nobody has control over your heart except you. Your heart is a doorway between your spirit and your soul. When Jesus uh, gave the parable in Mark chapter 4 about the four different types of soils, he was referring to the four different types of hearts. One of them was hard. And what happened? Nothing could grow. Any farmers here? You've got to break up the soil, soften it up. Uh, springtime, we'd, we'd cultivate or plow, turn it over, warm it up, soften it up. The same, we can do the same thing with our hearts. Break up the fall of the hard ground, and, uh, and allow the word of the Lord, the seeds, to fall into our hearts and then produce a, a crop. So how does that work? I've just wanted to try to do this with you for a few moments. Um, seven elements of, of, of heart language. Um, first of all, I just want to say that F- Galatians chapter five and verse eight says that faith works or is activated by love. For faith, for, so Jesus was moved with compassion. Uh, not sympathy. Sympathy doesn't, can't do anything. Compassion can do something. It, it, when you go to pray for people, when you go to give these uh, little cloths to people, you need to have compassion on them. You, you need to be moved by love. And and it, we, we know that faith is one of the nine ways the Holy Spirit manifests. So the first thing that I think needs to happen, there needs to be a revelation where the Holy Spirit can flow into her heart. This is what he said that the, the Lord... Uh, The Father of Wisdom would give you uh, revelation in the knowledge of him. We have to have a revelation that opens our hearts. And what happens when we get a revelation from the Lord, as we're reading his word, it begins to produce thoughts, sometimes images, and sometimes emotions. It'll begin to work within us. The second thing is uh, it it needs to be a personal truth. We must act on revealed truth or else it's dead. The The cross, the work of the cross is useless unless it's applied today faith, we, we we should never use faith to try to get something. That, that's a perversion of faith. To, th- to think that we need faith to get something from God would imply that he's holding something back from us. What, we, we use faith to apply what he's provided for us, not what he's withholding from us. So it needs to be a personal truth. Uh, number three, it needs to be a, a present tense truth. He would say, we, we heard it yesterday, today, if you don't harden your heart. It's for today. Current, present truth. It's followed by, number four, a positive affirmation or a declaration. I don't know if any of you use the glory application or not. It's really a great application. I think it's a tad expensive, so I'm still free-trialing it on different people's names. Right now. <clears throat> no, it's not quite that bad, but almost. Uh, but it, it actually has declarations in there, and you can listen to them. And they're really good. It's, try it. It's called it's under glory. But you need to actually start making declarations. What God is doing in our heart, uh, out of the heart, uh, the mouth speaks. So you need to begin to have a positive, affirmative, declarative truth. You can't be silent. You need to begin to speak it. Okay. Number four, pa- a positive affirmative truth, um, and 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 rather than saying I'm never healed, we say things like this. We say thank you that I am completely healed. Just, just kind of that simple. If you were to say, I never, I'm never healed. Well, what's going on? Your, your, your entire cellular structure is now waiting for it to be given an instruction, and it's told to tell the rest of your body that it's not healed. But if you speak the truth, this is such a powerful thing. We all know, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, we all know that the worlds were formed by what was said. We Right? We're told that, um, and I think I even might have given myself that, we understand, well, I guess I didn't, but we understand. How how do we understand? By faith we understand that universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that were visible. What is is seen came from what was said. That's mind-blowing. It's quantum mechanics. So let me just give you the next one here, the the fifth one. Uh, Truth needs to be seen. Uh, Everybody heard the saying, a picture's worth a thousand words. It's true. So once you get a picture of the person healed that you're praying for, or the demons cast out of them, or whatever, you get an image. You, and, and you take that image, and you allow it to live in you. And what it'll do is it'll produce a, an emotion. Number number um, six. Jesus did this. He would tell parables to help people get a picture in their mind of what could be. So he says, and, sorry, and then the next, number six, is, is an emotion gets experienced, and emotions are super powerful. Um, when you imagine a truth, it releases energy of health and endorphins and an immune response. Your body will start to do that. Your body, um, I don't know if this is really, really true, but I read it, it probably is, that your body, uh, 25 million cells a second are dying, and 25 million cells a second are coming to life. 25 million. This is what's happening in, in your bodies. That's a lot. The dead cells end up becoming dust in your house, right? Um, so so what if you give a cell a direction, and it starts to travel through your body and tell the rest of your body that you're healed? You see how powerful that can be? Um, molecules are 99.99% air, scientists tell us. I disagree because the Bible says that all things are held together by the word word of his power. Christ is in everything. So when we begin to send an an instruction to one cell, Jesus said, if you have the faith like a mustard seed, smallest seed, hardly see it. If you have the faith of a molecule, it'll actually travel through your body and tell the rest of your body to get in order with this command that it's being given. So this is a, this is an important thing. And, and, so, and then the last one, of course, is, is, is meditation, where we begin to imagine and have prayerful reflection. And by this point, as we're repeating this, our eyes of our heart are being awakened. There's an emotion that's connected with it. There's a truth that's being shared from it. And your body has no choice but to get in line. This is, this is the, how the heart works. When our heart gets healed, our bodies get healed. So, so Second Corinthians chapter four, verse sixteen, it says that we look at things that are unseen. I don't know if you've ever stopped there. Oh, how can I look at something I can't see? It's because because what is visible came from what was unseen, not from what was unreal. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. So you can begin to look at things that are not quite seen yet. Through Hebrews, it says that some people died with the promise, but yet they were able to see the land. Your body—we might run out of a little bit of time until we're completely healed. But the pathway of being a follower of Christ has become more and more like Him, and He did not deal with any abdominal or (laughs) abdominal. (laughs) He had no abdominal issues. Uh, Abnormal, right? Jesus was whole, which is the word salvation. Sozo means whole. So I'm going to anoint these cloths with oil, and I'm going to pray wholeness, because I'm not exactly sure what needs to, what's broken in the people that want, need these. But I'm going to pray for wholeness, because that's the outcome of salvation. Sozo, complete healing. All right, wholeness. The Word of God, it says, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, the, the Word of God is living and active, and that word active is energio. What does that mean? That means energy. It's one of the three words for power in the New Testament. Um, um, Dunamis, uh, exousia, and energio. One means authority, one means ability, and one means activation. It says the word of God has energy. That the word of God has energy. He sent his word to heal, and his his word has energy. Energy, when it touches our physical body, somehow the entrance point allows the energy of the Holy Spirit, the creator, to be released within our members. And it says he'll quicken our mortal bodies. The entrance of your word gives light, the Bible says. It starts to show us what to do. What's next? Uh, The word of God is powerful and living and, and, and has energy. Matthew chapter 16, these signs will follow them who believe. Second last point. Um, the it's interesting to me. I'm not a he- Hebrew or, or Greek scholar. I, I uh, uh, you know, I I troll scholars. Get what they said. It's really interesting to me. The first chapters of Genesis, the first few chapters. One of the things that's interesting, it, sa- it was her name. Her name was Eve. And it it was changed after the fall to become the mother of all living. But we also know that Jesus is the author of all, or God, God, Yahweh God is the author of all life. Who's the author of life? And who's the author? Obviously, she isn't. But but here's what's interesting about the word life in that passage. In in the Hebrew language, the word life is always plural. And it said after the fall, what she would be able to do, because before the fall, everything was perfect. Spiritually, and emotionally, and socially, and physically, and what have you. It's all perfect. But after the fall, some stuff started to fall apart, right? So stuff started to unravel. So what was Eve now? It said, you will become the mother of all living. What's that term for, uh, for living? It's physical life. She could not birth spiritual life anymore. But in the, in the original intention, she would be able to birth spiritual and physical life. But after the fall, all she could do is birth physical life. Plural. There are two types of life, physical and spiritual. In order for you to understand the spiritual world, you need to be born again by the Spirit of God. And he he touches our spirit, and then that spirit, his spirit now, through the access of our heart, depending if it's hard or soft or how open it is, begins to renew our soul, mind, emotion, and will. And before you know it, your body is actually impacted because what was it healed by? Not just your thoughts, but thoughts were inspired by the Spirit of God. This is the process. Okay. Um, So interesting to me that quantum physics teaches us, I've tried to read a book called Quantum Glory by a guy named Phil Mason. Um, Interesting, but you just got to take wee little bites. Especially it's me and uh, dull as a marble on most of that sort of stuff. But he says that there's a thing in quantum physics called the observer effect. When you observe something, you change it. I don't know if you've heard of this or not before. When it's called the observer effect, physicists demonstrate how we transform invisible waves of energio into localized particles of matter by looking at it. Now, now, how wild is that? Finally, science is coming, getting caught up with the Bible. Things that were not seen, things that are seen come from things that were not seen. But when you look at them, they become so. Are you following me? We're to be gazing upon things that are healthy and whole and good and okay. So <clears throat> he says, What happens? It's called a wave function collapse when it moves from something invisible to something visible. And now we understand why what is seen comes from things that were unseen. Quantum physics reminds us that things are natural that are natural came from the physical. But remember, God was moved, Jesus was moved by love, by compassion, and faith works by love. And so the last thing I want to say today before we anoint some claws with oil, um, I want to help us uh, as much as I can, but I can't get too many places. So I'm going to commission you to take healing and deliverance to people. I've I've expected that through this service that God would place some people on your minds. And because we said at the beginning, we all agreed that you're open, your heart's open to hear what the Holy Spirit would say, if he's going to say to you, right? So maybe he said something. If that's the case, I mean, you've got a decision to make. Am I going to obey? It's your choice. Is some, are, can you be moved with compassion for some people to risk a little bit of embar- embarrassment to see them healed of gout? Are, are you willing to face a little bit of embarrassment to stop someone's uh, cancer that's growing out of control? Are, we, are you willing to risk a little bit of, of your own self and your own all, all that, all you but yourself, to relieve someone of chronic pain? If so, today might be your day. You maybe should have picked another day to come to church. So I'm, I'm commissioning you to go into the world and change it. <clears throat> so I just want to say about softening our heart, opening our heart, seeing with our heart, agreeing with our heart that God's the healer. Uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the spoken word, affirms this truth. We begin to speak it. We begin to see it. We begin to feel it. And then we begin to live it out. Here's, here's another fun fact red blood cells travel through your entire body. A red blood cell can travel through your body in 20 seconds, your entire body. What you see, feel, can affect your health within minutes, if not seconds. Something happened uh, in the Bible with claws. Bring them up so we don't, would you? Or, or Melissa, you can do it. Does anybody remember a story about a prophet? His name was Elijah. And um, he was about to be transported. He stepped across from the physical dimension to the unphysical dimension. And it says when he left, if Elijah was there, he says, If you see me when I go, because he wants a double portion of his spirit. If you see me when I I go, he said, "It'll, It'll be as you ask. But you've not asked for an easy thing, he didn't say an impossible thing. It says of Elijah when he took off, he dropped his cloth. The mantle. It would have been like a shoulder covering. Elijah picked it up. He had a decision. He picked it up and went and struck the water, and the water parted. Cool. Don't you want to see some cool stuff? We say that this is the age of miracles, signs and wonders. Well, tag, you're it. Let's go do some stuff. Let's go cast out some demons. Like, let's go kick some of Satan's butt. That's enough getting trampled on and living under lies and oppression. Let's get at it. Let's let's get on with it. Let's not back down. Let's fire up. Um, There's another cloth. Jesus was hanging on a Roman tool of torture. He had a seamless white cloth. It says that because he died naked, this cloth was thrown down. It says that the Roman guards, they gambled over. But I just want to tell you about one more cloth. Oh, this is good. Okay, this is like a Bible drill right now. Anybody ever do Bible drills? Think about this. What was the first thing that Jesus did after the resurrection? Just think about it. What was the first thing he did after the resurrection? John chapter 20 says that he did, did something very specific. John chapter 20, he said this, this what he did. I don't know if you knew this or not. It says of the guard or the his gown, the embalming gown, it was left like this. But it said there was a napkin that covered his face. And it says, and which had been on his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but it was folded up by itself welcome to church he when he rose from the dead I just would have loved to have seen a guard go in and grab the cloth what would have been on the cl- cloth well I, I'll tell you because he lives in light he might have been able to like like a flashlight I don't know but I'll bet you there was power in that cloth. says of Elijah's bones, someone just touched his bones and came back to life. This is a Bible. This is, it's a little bit weird. A little bit weird. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to pretend that I understand it. I'm going to believe it. It sounds radical. Yeah, 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 yeah. You all got some of these in your garage. But these are different because we're going to anoint them. And if you know someone that needs healing or deliverance, We're going to apply faith. God will do the miracles. We will simply be the delivery boys, girls. Anybody interested in like doing some damage to darkness? It's our day. It's our time. It's our day and it's our time. It's our day and it's our time. All all I did, all I did was I just read you the Bible. That's all I did. But did something happen? Was there energy from that word that touched your heart? If so, it should move us to some sort of action. You know, anybody needs healing or deliverance? Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. And check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.